Welcome to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E, featuring your host, Dr. Deborah Egerton. In this program, we take a look at how you can begin to see how you show up in the world by looking at your Enneagram personality type, improving your relationships, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Deborah Egerton. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are in the world. I'm so happy to be here with you today again as we do another episode of Exploring the Enneagram with me, Dr. E. Today's guest is the lovely Christy Kennedy. I'm so excited to have her here on the show with us today. Christy is otherwise known to me as Gracious Angel because she is one of those human beings that walks the earth with such presence and grace and loveliness. Uh, Christy is an Enneagram practitioner. She is a business consultant. She is uh, actually very sought after in the world of consulting because Christy not only can go into an organization and help people to understand what they might be able to do differently to make the workplace better and to actually grow and develop as human beings. But Christy uses the Enneagram as a business consultant, and she is doing some really cutting-edge, fascinating work. All of that being said, and you can read that about a little bit more about Christy in her bio, um, Christy has had some challenges that as she and I became friends and began to talk through different things about our love of the Enneagram, um, I discovered some very interesting things about Christy that we'll be talking about on the show today. Christy, do you want to jump in here and say hello to our listeners? Hello, listeners, and hello, Deborah. It's such an honor to be here with you. I love my time with you, and I'm uh, just thrilled to be here. Thank you, Christy. I'm just as delighted to have you here. So, Christy, uh, can you tell our listeners how long you've been studying the Enneagram? Sure. You know, I learned the Enneagram, it was 20 years ago. Uh, It was back uh, in 2000, and uh, I was in Cincinnati at the time. Uh, I live in Phoenix, Arizona now, but I remember sitting at a weekend and listening to Helen Palmer talk all about these nine unique, very obscure uh, ways of describing ourselves. And that is always fascinating when you hear that and you don't know anything about the Enneagram and you're wondering what in the world are people talking about? So uh, did you go on a journey to discover your type or what pulled you into beginning to study it? Yeah, you know, I think there was first the resonance that came from understanding and hearing the typology of the type seven. I felt very understood. I felt seen. And, uh, you know, it was, I would say, though, for a number of years, uh, I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed even to say it's just, but it was my journey. It was probably about 15 years of being in this kind of uh, what I call nine number navel gazing. I was like the textbook seven. I was looking at myself and really uh, identified so much with how uh, the understanding uh, and and description of the type seven that I, I stayed in my lane. I stayed in my box. 
I, I, I have seen that happen and I totally understand that. So you, you stayed in that sort of seven box, but something must have sort of catapulted you out of the box that we sometimes put ourselves into when we discover our Enneagram type. And what was that? Yes. Uh, so it was in 2014 and I was living in Tucson, Arizona and I was uh, diagnosed with an aggressive and rare cancer and went through a series of chemotherapy, uh, many, many surgeries, and a divorce all at the same time. That's a lot, Christy. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a, a pivotal moment in my life. Mm-hmm. So... Based on that, how did the Enneagram help you at that time? I mean, that's a lot to have going on. Yeah, it it certainly is. Oh, the Enneagram helped me in so many ways. Uh, You know, I I think about how I was, um, it it helped me really identify uh, a sense of who I had been and where I was going. So now all of a sudden, the Enneagram, uh, it taught me, you know, such things as, well, I would say when I look back on that time and where I am right now, you know, life is good now, except for when it's not. And I feel great, except for when I don't. And hopefully more often than not, I experience my experiences more fully. And I really do believe the Enneagram helped me on that journey to be able to uh, I just be patient with myself, show myself a sense of compassion. Um, and, you know, the gift of the Enneagram, too, is not only that it helped me learn more about myself during that time, uh, it also uh, helped me identify and learn more about those around me and was powerful with my relationships. Absolutely. I, knowing uh, type seven, you know, because that's really uh, where I have any, any envy, uh, you know, my, hmm. my path towards growth really is to the seven and I enjoy seven land as I call it. Uh, how, Christy, being a seven, were you able to really stay in that space of what had to have been a really difficult time? Uh, you know, we know Enneagram sevens, you really don't like to stay in a space where it is painful, uncomfortable. Uh, sad, difficult, you know, uh, you're one of the joyful types. You're one of the optimistic triad types. So how, how did you do that? How did you manage to just become patient and stay the course? Mm, yeah, great question. You know, I, I moved more from the typology, hopefully, uh, towards the development of the three centers. The three centers were very powerful to me. Um, even more so than uh, perhaps learning about the Enneagram Type 7. Uh, it became so clear to me that, you know, we have these three centers. We have this head center for thinking and perceiving and this heart center 
for emoting and relating and this gut center for sensing things in our body. And I really do believe I had spent a, the, a big part of my life experiencing life from my head center. And when I was doing that, I was not present in the moment. I, I think, you know, I think about my mind, I think about it being like a ping pong game. And usually the two players of the ping pong game are the past and the future. Right. I'm stuck in these stories. And uh, when I am in my head uh, and, and overly in my head, I am stuck in that space between this battle of ping pong between the past and the future. And, you know, I, I call, I think one of the most transformative uh, parts of what I've experienced from the Enneagram is, is what I call integrative intelligence. It's actually a very ancient idea. You know, when you think about uh, the work that uh, George Gurdjieff brought to the Enneagram and, uh, and, and many others, I talk about uh, my description of integrative intelligence is how do we use our head center, our heart center, and our gut center and for the intelligences they bring and being able to utilize them all together. Uh, you know, I love what Russ Hudson says about this. He says, you know, why be a third of a person? I think about how I used my head center so uh, overused it for, for so long. And uh, just, you know, there was a moment I'm remembering when it was after my chemo and after my surgeries and the tumor was gone. And I remember having this moment where I realized, oh my goodness, I have this. And, and the tumor was, was right here in between the path of my head and my heart. And with that now missing from my body, I realized I had this clear path from my head to my heart. And I was able to connect with my heart and be in this avid love affair with my heart. I was really able to learn I had a heart. Uh, and I had this gut instinctual space, this, this place of inner knowing that I never knew that I had. I had to learn to speak the languages of, and, and listen to my heart and learn how to communicate with it and also learn to communicate with my gut. Right. Well, with the alignment of the three centers, you know, moving out of that just headspace and having the path cleared to be able to experience the heart space and to let the love and the compassion grow for yourself. And then really the experience of what is a different body now and what does that all feel like. And I love that you brought the awareness to the three centers because so very often people who learn the Enneagram only learn about their type or they learn about another type that might be annoying to them, uh, or the type of person who they happen to be in a relationship with. But it's just so much bigger than that. And, you know, the alignment of your centers to be able to not just be in your head. And, you know, you're not going to get to compassion for yourself. You're not going to get to a place of being able to love yourself patiently, through any situation in life that requires patience and requires that you accept what is happening in the present and then embracing a new body 
you know, I, I know that had to feel different for you, did it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, learning to listen to my body when it was feeling pushed, you know, what's one of the gifts of it? I, you know, I realized uh, that after my uh, surgeries, it, it's like, I learned about my body in new ways. I have this built-in alarm system. I know this sounds strange, but uh, when I get tired or if I'm feeling stressed, it almost feels like someone's pulling a, a this very tight rubber band around my chest, or I'll feel this pain in my back. And you know, for so long, for so many years, I would push through that sort of pain and almost ignore it and not... Uh, even give it any bit of attention. It was like I was hiding from it or running from it. Now I can learn to hear and to communicate with the language of my body. When when that happens, if I can take heed, if I can pay attention to it and listen to it, if I can slow down, if I can go rest for a few minutes, it will pass. But I, I have to give it the attention. It, it's it's screaming at me. It's asking for my uh, my attention. So uh, yeah, I've learned to engage that in conversation and learn more about that part of myself. And, you know, Christy, it's interesting because we've, we've shared some time together and been at different places, and I can see how you respect that boundary. And it is just beautiful the way, you know, and this is important because so very often people push themselves beyond the point of uh, their own endurance or beyond the, the comfort level or beyond what is good for them. They don't draw those boundaries. And particularly if you're out with other people and you recognize that, you know, the day has just taken its toll on you and it's time to bring it to an end. You do that so beautifully. That's why you're a gracious angel, you know. You will just sort of peace out. I love you all, but now I need to listen to the wisdom of my body and I need to step away. And this is something that we all need to learn to do because it's so the sort of the, the common go with the flow is stay in it, keep pushing. Uh, I'll be rude if I leave. Uh, I should stay because no one else is leaving. As opposed to my body needs rest. My body needs rest. The day is done. And actually, I'd love for, to see you do a webinar teaching people how to do exactly that. <laughs> well, you got it. You know, our, our bodies speak different things. So as you know this, like you are a late night person. I wish I could hang. Whenever I'm with you, I want to have that fun. And I know fun will be had until the wee hours of the morning. But I have learned that the way that my body, when my body needs rest, I'm starting to shut down around nine o'clock. You know, it's like when the sun goes down, I go down. And I, yet I'm up at 5 a.m. I have a, a, typically I have a routine, a meditation routine in the morning. And here in Phoenix right now, the sun is starting to rise about that time. So I'm on that schedule. I'm on that sun, uh, you know, light and darkness schedule that I, I need to follow. And uh, so, yes, I've learned to accept that part of myself. That is showing myself love. And when I don't, I'm it's like I'm declaring war on myself. Like I'm not paying attention to, to myself. And 
uh, I don't want to do that. I've learned, uh, learned, I'm learning my lessons. I still do. Hopefully more hours of the day than not, I'm listening to these parts of myself. That's beautiful. But Christy, uh, you know, the centers has played a very big part in um, your growth and development. And I'm curious if you look back at type again, what do you find, say, pre the cancer experience that you had and post cancer experience? And I, I know you're a um, survivor, mm-hmm. horrific battle, um, and that changes a person. And in many cases, the change is a growth path that is amazing and you can find things that uh, you had never seen about yourself before talking about the centers we can see you know how that played in but knowing some of the traits personality traits that we see that manifest in the type what do you see that's different pre-cancer and post-cancer yeah uh, great question so uh, you know I felt like for so many years I was running from uh, thoughts, feelings, emotions, uh, from sensations in my body. I was uh, running anywhere else other than here. And I, I, like I said, I was a textbook seven. I was a flight attendant right out of college. I was uh, traveling the world and then left that world to become a consultant. And today I'm working on my second million miles on Delta Airlines strictly as a consultant. And, and you know, I, have just, I still have to remind myself to, to slow down and, and stop. But what cancer did uh, for me, and I would also say to your listeners, you know, thinking about crisis in general, because we're finding ourselves right now in the midst of this global crisis, this pandemic, and with it comes this abrupt disruption from the way in which we're we're used to approaching our worlds. And for me, I what this did is I was running in one direction. And this crisis stopped me dead in my tracks. And what I ended up doing was turning around and clawing my way back through the storm to the center. And to use the uh, analogy of the center or the eye of the storm, I realized when I could get back to that place, the storms around me, the chaos around me, you know, my thoughts, my feelings, the sensations, they're always going to be changing. But when I can approach and stand up tall in the midst of that storm, I can experience it, but I'm not blown over by it. You know, I, I remember right after I was diagnosed, I remember sitting out on my back patio and looking out at the mountains and uh, and the desert, and I felt the wind blow. And this was a real powerful moment for me. I felt the wind on my face. And it was like I was experiencing it for the first time. Like, what is that? I, I, I felt it move through my body. And, and you think about what wind stands for and that 
things are changing and moving. And they definitely were in my world. It was, uh, it was just a moment I, I won't forget. So I was running in this direction that was taking me anywhere else from where I actually was. Uh, and what you know, cancer had taught me was really to uh, experience those parts of myself um, in new ways. You know, a- another powerful way was you know, I, learned, I learned how to work with my emotions uh, I, I actually, I came up with this, this process for ha- having to deal with my emotions, um, which I'd, I'd be happy to share with you here if, you, if you're interested. Very interested because it sounds to me, what I'm hearing is that um, once you were stopped in your tracks, you had to get grounded and you had to show up. You had to be present for yourself. You had to be present in your body, which is something that very often we don't do, you know, and people are not aware of not really being present in their bodies. And the wind on your face, the way you describe that, you were right here now. Uh, And that's such an important thing to be. So please, you know, when we talk about inner work, people always say, yeah, what exactly is that? And it sounds like you're about to give us some, uh, some little hints and steps as to what that looks like. Yes. So, you know, it, it occurred to me through this because I was experiencing a wide range of emotions uh, during that time. And, you know, interestingly enough, through this uh, pandemic with the, with the coronavirus, it, it's almost a time like I'm experiencing some of what I experienced when I was first diagnosed there's, like I said, a, a definite disruption. And I, I'm finding myself experiencing all of these different emotions. And yet I'm having to remember, and this is the theory that, I came, that, that came to me one day in my meditation. This is actually after the cancer, but I was able to put it to words because I had been experiencing it. But what if, what if all of our emotions are conspiring in our favor? How would that change the way in which we experience our emotions? That would be amazing. Yes. So uh, I, you know, when I think about um, the process for that, I'd be I'd be happy to take you through that. There's, uh, you know, when I I started to learn to see my emotions as little cartoon characters of energy, almost like as if I was objectifying them. And with uh, anything, especially, you know, working with a lot of corporate teams, I had to give this an acronym, this certain process. So I call it ITALK. And I know we're getting ready for our break, so I don't know how I should take this time if this part gets, uh, if we need to stop and come back. Yeah, we'll come back to that because I don't want our listeners to miss out on that. And I know that... uh, As a psychotherapist, sometimes I will have to work with someone and they're challenged either by a person or by their inner critic. And I have used this cartoon character, you know, to kind of help them. Much like you said, your emotions may just be conspiring to help you. So what's going on here? And I'd love for us to get into a deeper discussion of that. I think it's important to look at that because right now with the pandemic, uh, people are getting triggered. 
in all kinds of ways. And the more you get triggered, if you don't know how to work with that well, then you can stay in a perpetual state of anxiety and frustration. And actually, that can lead to a depression. So anything that we can say uh, in order to be able to help people out, that would be great. So we'll talk about that after the break. Um, Christy, just very, very quickly, if you could use a couple of words to describe yourself pre-cancer and post-cancer. Okay, so I want you to say Christy and a couple of descriptors and... Pre and Christy and a couple of descriptors post, just words. Yeah. In mind. Okay. Christy before cancer. Christy fast. Anywhere else than here. Energetic. Adventurous. Now Christy post. Hmm. Yeah. I will say, hopefully more often than not, or most hours of the day, present, deeply experienced, fun-loving, and still adventurous, also a little bit slower. <laughs> so you, you've learned to slow your roll just a bit. I certainly hope so. Although I get triggered during these times, like I'm sure any of us do. But it is definitely a signal to me. Excellent. Well, this is just lovely. We're going to go to a quick break now, and we'll be back with Christy Kennedy. And we'll be uh, continuing the journey and listening to Christy Suvery and talking a little bit more about the pandemic and what it's doing to all of us. See you soon. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you are enjoying Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E and would like to dig a bit deeper into your own Enneagram, Dr. E has online, one-on-one, or group sessions available now. For more information, you can email her directly at dEgerton1 at TrinityTransition.com. That's D-E-G-E-R-T-O-N, the number one at TrinityTransition.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E, featuring Dr. Deborah Egerton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to dEgerton1 at trinitytransition.com. That's dEgerton, the number one, at trinitytransition.com. Now, back to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E. 
so happy to be back with our lovely guest, Christy Kennedy, my gracious angel. Uh, I hope that some of you get to meet Christy. She does live in Phoenix, Arizona, and as I have uh, already explained to you, she is just such a phenomenal human being, and uh, in terms of being an Enneagram practitioner, I mean, you just can't find them much better than Christy Kennedy. So, Christy, right before we went to break, we were sort of holding off on having a little uh, discussion about your special technique that, like I said, you know, we talk to people and we ask them to do their inner work and to discover things about themselves and to really uh, work with themselves in a kind and compassionate way. And, and very often people will look at you with a blank stare and just say, I don't even know where to begin. So can you, can you give some, shed some light on how people can begin to do a little inner work and come up with some little techniques that are helpful? Uh, yes, I'd be happy to. And, and uh, you know, as I mentioned, this is a, this is a process that I identified to work with me when I was feeling overrun or overcome with uh, emotions and a lot of the challenging ones. And uh, this was born out of this idea of, you know, what if all of our emotions are conspiring in our favor, even the challenging ones? And uh, the acronym, as I mentioned, that I came up with is ITALK. I-T-A-L-K. And the first step in this process is I, meaning identify. And this is around identifying the emotion that it is that we're experiencing. And I know that so many people will say, well, I can do that easily. I'm not one of those people. So what has helped me is actually even looking at a word, a, a list of emotive words on a page or uh, you know, there's these apps like Stop, Breathe, Think, or Calm that I find so helpful, and they'll show a list of emotive words. And you know, I've had to go into you know go into these emotions like I'm going into a dressing room and trying on different dresses, saying, "Is this what I'm feeling? Is this what I'm experiencing?" And do that process of of, of identifying what is that emotion that I'm experiencing. You know, one that I've experienced quite often that I would say I've made friends with is anxiety. And what does anxiety look like? And what does it feel like? And so, you know, there's a neuroscientist, her uh, name is Lisa Feldman Barrett, who I would imagine you, you know, and many of your listeners may have heard of. She talks about how suppressing emotions actually causes an arousal of them. But speaking it actually reduces and releases the emotions. So just with that even first step of identifying what that emotion is that I'm experiencing is, is, is really powerful for me. And I can work with it and deal with it. And the second step in the process, Deborah, is, is the disruptor. It's thanking it. And, you know, if all of our emotions, if this theory is, is on target of they're all here uh, to, um, to work in our favor, you know, even these challenging ones, uh, then this is, this is the game changer. This is causing us to do something different. And I'm reminded of the author, Glennon Doyle. Yeah. She, yeah, oh, amazing. I, I love, she's written the book, Love Warrior. And I know she has a new book out now called, I believe, Untamed. 
it, she she said something powerful once that really had changed the way in which I I approach my emotions. And she was talking about the challenging emotion of pain. And she says, pain is like a traveling professor. He goes from door to door and knocks. But it's the wise who say, come on in, sit down, and don't leave till you've taught me what you need to teach me. Yes, I love that. <sighs> you know, I just want to so uh, piggyback on what you're saying there, because even in therapy, what I try to get people to understand is that gratitude for everything that you go through changes the whole experience of it. And pain will absolutely, you will learn something from it. You will actually come out on the other side stronger. Uh, Only if you embrace the reality that no matter what you're going through, there has to be an element of gratitude because there's something that can be learned that will allow you to grow. And this is a very difficult concept for people to embrace. Uh, and not everyone has the, uh, the, the good fortune, the finances, the, the space in their lives to be able to seek therapy for something like this. But you sharing it with us, and I take it that it was not a therapist that told you that. <laughs> It wasn't, although I have an amazing therapist. Uh, she, it, this was uh, definitely something that that emerged. Uh, it 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 emerged. You know, I, I I think often about how I've heard this. This was said to me once about I don't know enough to be a pessimist. I and and for a seven, that's you know that's quite a line. We can rationalize the heck out of anything, uh, but I, I realized that. Even in these challenging times, I can't automatically assume that this is going to be something that is going to take me down. You know, our brains uh, automatically want to attach to negative experiences. In fact, our brains will attach to a negative experience in less than one second. And I've heard neuroscientists say that it, it actually is about seven to nine seconds for our brains to attach to a positive experience. So if we can, if we can sit and breathe through it and wait through it, uh, the beauty may emerge. It took me some time to recognizing that because I really did, you know, think in the midst of the cancer that what, is this the last chapter? Is this the last chapter in the story? And yeah, I came to realize that now, you know, what comes after the tragedy is love. Correct. Correct. And you know, Christy, something that I will share with you is not only does the brain attach itself to a negative thought, but the brain does not track for truth. It tracks for what it already believes to be true. So if you take in that negative thought and that becomes your truth, you're actually just tracking to see confirmation of that reality. And if what you believe is negative, you're looking for affirmation of the negative. And that certainly does not help anyone when they're fighting a battle, such as you, going through cancer. And for people that are going through a tremendous amount of anxiety right now during this pandemic, if you allow 
yourself to go to a very negative mindset, and that's what you believe to be true, then you're constantly looking for affirmation, and actually we can manifest a negative outcome. Um, And that's something that I want our listeners to pay attention to, because we will get through this, we will survive, we will thrive beyond this, but we have to absolutely keep our mindset healthy. Doesn't mean that we're we're being fake and we're pretending that we're happy that we're going through this, but we have to really fight the battle of maintaining a healthy mindset. You got it. Yes, I love the way you said that. You know, I've had to limit my news intake. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yes. I guess the mind can do some powerful things and it takes me to the past and takes me to times when things perhaps didn't end up going going so well. And uh, yeah, love the way you said that. And, you know, that leads into that, that next point, Deborah, of, of that next point in the process, which is around A, ask, you know, ask these emotions what they want to show me. And it, it's, when we see them, like you've talked with your clients about as these little cartoon characters, you know, I see my emotions now like little Yodas, like, <laughs> right? That, like little guides that they're here to give me signals if something comes up. They, they actually are holders of great wisdom. And, and the, to your point, the story that they've told uh, that, that I have listened to on occasion are those negative stories around it. But no, what if these little Yodas of our emotion have have something to share with us. They're actually there uh, to guide us, to protect us. Uh, so by just by asking them, what is it that you want to show me? Fear. What is it, anxiety, that you want to show me? Uh, that is a beautiful thing. Do you ever ask the little Yodas to tell you a different story? Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's telling me a different story or also it's get in the back seat of the car. I can't have you driving the car. And that's you know, from Elizabeth Gilbert, the author. I love what she, that she says that, you know, we need these, uh, you need these emotions along, but they, they've got to be in the back seat. They can't drive the car. I happen to, I have a closet that I keep mine in. <gasps> I will let them out on occasion, but you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like, if you're going to try to take over, you're going to have to stay back there. <laughs> I love it. Putting them in the closet too. Sometimes, you know, they, when you think about them as unruly, you know, two-year-olds, uh, you know, they can cry and scream and throw a fit until what? We pay attention to them. And we, again, we can't let them be in control. We can't let them do those things. They'll harm us. They'll harm themselves if we, if we give them over, you know, give over complete control. But they do have something to communicate with us. So, so far we have identify, and then we have think. Think. Yes. And then A is ask. Ask. Yep. L is listen. Listen. Yeah. And, and you know, there's more ways to listen than just through our ears. I, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, there's Mark Nepo, one of my favorite poets, uh, wrote uh, a a beautiful book called the book of awakening. And in this, and he talks about, he's written another book called 7,000 ways to listen. And he realized that there were 7,000 living languages in the world. He thought if there's 7,000 languages, there must be 7,000 ways to listen. Mm 
And so, you know, when we put down all the things that we believe we know about life from the past, like you're talking about, and meet the world by listening freshly to what is actually here, we can listen with body language, we can listen to nature, we can listen to, uh, you know, those, those friends and family around us, listen so many ways than just with the spoken word and what our ears are hearing. I'm hearing the birds right now, like, you know, life goes on. That's what I feel like life is telling me right now. Life continues to go on. So, yeah, L, listen. And then finally, the last is, is K, know. Know that the answer will come. And, and it does. You know, what I found is that these feelings, sensations, they don't stick around as long as they used to. Uh, you know, I still feel them deeply. In fact, I may feel them even more deeply than before, but they move through. Uh, you know, I, I think about how uh, there's uh, neuroscientists like Jill Bolte-Taylor that talk about how, you know, our bodies physiologically experience emotions for only 90 seconds. And when I first heard that, I thought, there can't be any way, right? No way. I'm still holding on to stuff that happened last week, last month, last year. But our bodies are designed to physiologically experience and release the emotion after 90 seconds. Uh, You know, I've heard, yeah. What's interesting about that, Christy, is that, you know, we have these neural pathways going through our bodies. And what... One of the, the, the really important parts of going through anything that is difficult is recognizing when it is time to stop telling the story. Mm-hmm. Because though we can only, our bodies experience it for 90 seconds, the more we tell it, the more we actually deepen that sort of neural pathway. And so very often um, I will talk with clients and I will just say, I want you to be able to share your story, but let's look at how you can frame it so that it is a story of triumph, it's a story of resilience, and it is not a story of just pain and torment because every time you tell it in that way, you're actually deepening that sort of groove that you create from your neural pathway. And that is so important. And one of the things about listening to you, which is why I wanted you to share uh, your story, is that you definitely exemplify someone who has gone through a very difficult process, but you appreciate the journey and you have claimed the victory on the other side of it. And so it's not dwelling in the negative of the actual, uh, this is how awful it was for me. This is, you know, this is what, it, it's not all the, the negative points of it that you are emphasizing. You're emphasizing the journey and what that journey actually was like and how you got through it. And that is so helpful for people who are on a similar journey. Thank you. Yeah, cancer was hard. 
divorce at the same time was hard. It also is one of my biggest teachers. Right. Yes. And I don't know that I could be moving through this time now like I am had I not had that experience. And I know for you know you and your listeners too that this going through this uh, global crisis that what can what have we all learned from those past challenges and pains that we can bring back and utilize to help us move through this moment? Right, that is so true. So very very true. Well, Christy, let me ask you. In terms of the pandemic right now, what's getting triggered for you? Mm, That's a great question. What's getting triggered? You know, I would say that the need to protect, the need to prepare. When I think about the six influence, that six wing that I bring in, I talk about our wings being like our next door neighbors, I might sleep in the seven space at night, but six and eight are real close by. And I can visit my next door neighbor, the six, quite frequently of, you know, being on alert, being prepared. Uh, Do I need to trust what it is that I, what I'm hearing? Uh, Do I need more information? Um, So that, that sense of being triggered of, ah, you know, being still, being still, you know, at the, I keep hearing people talk about how this is a slowdown. I'm personally not experiencing the slowdown. In fact, I feel like there's more to engage in. And I've had to, at the end of the day, make peace with, I'm going to get done what I can get done. Yeah, I've had a a partner. My partner has been sick for almost two months. We've been, it's not a good time to be sick right now, Uh, you know, and, and, and recognizing uh, what we need to do to make sure that he is feeling better. So the time spent uh, getting done my list of things to get done with clients and with work and with preparing food and learning to order food uh, to be delivered and, all of these things, and at the end of the day, falling into bed and saying, I've just done what I can do today, and I'll get done tomorrow what shows up tomorrow. Absolutely. So when I think about you being a seven and you have that six wing that can be your preparation friend for all that is to come and all that is needed, how is Eight kicking in. It's kicking in with the protection, correct? You have this need to protect. And I, I hear that when you talk about your partner, um, you know, wanting to do whatever you need to do to make sure that he's going to be okay. Um, how else is the eight showing up? Yeah, you know, the eight is, is one that uh, it's like the, the neighbor that I'm getting to know better now. It's, it's, it, I, I've known the six for a really long time, or I played in that space. I spent a lot of time over there. But the eight is this, this space for me that is really intriguing to learn about this part of me. How can I be more direct, more clear? Um, 
as you mentioned, that protected that protection part of myself. Um, how can I even protect myself and others that I'm close that I'm that I'm close to? Uh, so uh, it is. It's. Uh, it really is stepping into my sense of power. I understand that um, being a one, um, my two wing is very strong right now. I have a lot of love and compassion, and I really want to do whatever I can do to help anyone that I can help. The interesting thing is my nine wing is very much my friend right now because being under the shelter-in-place order and having to actually chill a little bit Mm, (laughs) and accept what is, um, I am doing what I can by putting things out into the world virtually. I'm not taking my body out, but I'm, I'm actually going back and forth and really inhabiting both of those energies. And they're both really helping me in a, in a wonderful way because the, the two allows me to creatively come up with ways to actually continue to help people. But the nine allows me to have some peace when I, excuse me, when I can't be out and about and doing what I would normally do. So our wings really can be our angels um, that can assist us in whatever process we're going through, we're working through. Hmm. Yeah, I love how you said that. When you were talking just now, I saw the Enneagram circle and I saw it was like this round table and I talk about our board of directors, you know, about how we have a board of directors being our our head, our heart, and our gut and also that board of directors of all nine of those Enneagram types. We need all of them. Yet there's some of them that we're giving more voice to or that we're closer to in this moment and uh, yeah, thank you for that, Deborah. Absolutely. Well, you have two other points, of course, mm-hmm. like narrows that, that um, contribute. So, um, in in your sort of closing thoughts, can you bring in for us the one and the five, and um, pretty. You know, we're, we're, we're counting down now. This is just such a rich session. I think we're going to have to do a part two. But when we think about you going through all that you've been through, and even now with the pandemic, how are you moving towards one or navigating, you know, getting closer to the five and incorporating those in to in, be in service of where you are right now? Yeah. So... When I think about the one, the one is that part of me that I think, I believe, really needs the most love. It, is, it also acts as a warning signal to me when I'm in that place of, uh, of reforming, of things needing to be better, of, of you know, when I'm stressed, I, I organize my sock drawer. It's like I feel like the chaos of the mind of a seven. I'm looking for some sense of order. So, you know, in my, that one space, it really does teach me to have a sense of compassion uh, for myself. I, I need it. it. It's the one, it, it can, uh, that part is that part of me that brings me to tears. And when I think about how to have great compassion for myself, uh, as you asked us to, to close, you know, I'm, 
I'm reminded of a time when I sat in front of my vanity and I was uh, bald. I'd lost my hair from cancer and I was uh, sick. And I remember looking in the mirror and it was like I saw my spirit. I saw my soul for the first time. And I, I started to weep and I, I vowed in that moment to take care of myself like I hadn't before, like I would take care of a best friend. And, and that was a, a moment for me that I, I will not, another one of those moments that I will not forget, how to be kind to those parts of myself that I might have been at war with in the past. So, you know, recognizing and having compassion for myself when I'm in that one space or even that sense of, in the five, of being, uh, remembering to be in focus. Right. Well, gracious angel, I am so, so just grateful that, number one, you were given the grace to be able to navigate um, all that you had to go through on your journey. And thank you so much for sharing it with all of our listeners. And I'm sure that there will be a Christy Kennedy Gracious Angel, part two. <laughs> I'd love that. Thank you to you and all your listeners. You're one of my favorite humans. Oh, as are you to me. Thank you so much, listeners. Be back with us next week, and we'll be talking about some more interesting topics. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E. Please join Dr. Deborah Egerton again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a good week.